0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling Spooky Bosco Boys.
1: Ooh, 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 boys. boys.
2: <laughs> the boys are back, and it's time to preview the K-State Texas Tech Game. I have a Beer of the Pod, but before we get into it, Beer of the Pod is presented by Symbol. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allow you to profit off your sports knowledge. And on Symbol, you can trade sports teams just like stocks. Every time your team wins, you earn a cash payout as well. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol, buy low, sell high, earn cash payouts when your team wins, and you can join over 7,000 early adapters who have already started to invest in their favorite teams visit www.simbull.com, at Symbol, to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code SD for a deposit that is risk-free. Visit symbol.com, use promo code SD, deposit is risk-free. That means if you lose money, Symbol will refund your deposit, no questions asked. And if you just don't like it, if it's not for you, just let them know. They'll reimburse you your entire deposit join symbol today and start investing and profiting from your favorite team i'll tell you what i when i got in on it i bought the chiefs before they won their game they already went up in price i got the cats because i think they're going to bounce back but i also have two rivals two rivals it seems because i think they're undervalued especially for what they're doing right now and that's the chargers and believe it or not i actually bought stock stock in the baylor bears so uh, I'm, I'm not proud of those two, but I b- bought stock in those two teams.
1: I'm excited to play around with this. I haven't bought any teams yet. I looked at it briefly today. Um, I'll be honest. My first instinct, and I know this is one of our sponsors. My first instinct is that of what locker room was like, this is stupid. I can't imagine this catching on, but the more I think about it, the more I do think that this is going to be one of those things that does absolutely catch on. And it's going to be a lot of fun for folks. Um, just like, Spotify green room has turned out to be. So I would definitely, you know, if you're listening, take a look at it, play around. It seems pretty cool.
2: Especially in this day and age where everyone's trading crypto and stocks Mm -hmm. and day trading stuff that they have absolutely no clue about. You guys are watching football. You guys are watching the NBA. You guys are watching baseball. You know a lot more about that than you do about, you know, Dogecoin. So right. have a little fun over at Symbol. And, again, every time a football team wins, you're getting a 50-cent payout per share. So, again, buy the cats, hold on to them for a few years. You're getting your investment back just in that. And then by, the, by then, we're gargantuan. Sell them for, you know, 2X what you paid for them. So get over to Symbol. Have a little fun. Promo code SD. All right. Let's get into Coach Collins' press conference. I'm actually kind of going to try to buzz through some of the uh, – kind of basic stuff because he did went vi- go viral for a bad reason from his press conference. And we'll, we'll spend a little bit more time on that. So I'm just going to buzz through most of this. Stop me if you kind of want to interject anything, but he uh, r- really talked about, he was asked about the offensive game plan. He said between the chunks that Texas tech gives up running the ball, and then they're anticipating there being a bunch of wind they're, uh They said establishing the run is going to be super important. I think we all agree. Anytime you go, to Texas tech, Never know what the wind's going to do. Boom Massey is either going to be back this week or next week, doing a few things in practice, going to see how he responds. Again, we've seen what we the defenses look like, you know, past Khalid Duke. Uh, mm-hmm. You really need Boom back in there, says the uh, message to the team uh, after starting 0-3 conference play is the same. It always is. He's really big about that 1-0 every day and every week, eh, whatever. He seemed very irritated, and I think this kind of maybe is what kind of got the ball starting. He was asked multiple questions about the wide receivers, multiple questions about getting tight ends the ball. He really just said, hey, look, you know, you, you can't force stuff. You have wide receivers. You have running backs that can't catch the ball. You have tight ends. Can't be forcing stuff. And, hey, the other team's going to try to take away some stuff. Um, so he started getting a little irritated around there. Um, then he was asked about, hey, how do you balance the idea of you can't give up big plays and you have to be aggressive? He we said, well, you can't have the mindset that you can't give up big plays because then you're going to be playing on your heels. Uh, said that the defense needs to get back to basics so they can play faster. Really champion Skyler, you know, some of the big plays that we've had so far this season when he's out there have been when he's, uh, you know, made checks into those places, they trust him to make those decisions, distribute the ball, make the right checks and all that stuff. Says they do have a turbo offense ready. It's something that it's based on personnel. That's something they're talking about when and how often you use it as a staff.
1: Uh, That'll have to see. That'll have to see to believe.
2: Well, they tried to do it versus Iowa State, and then they just kind of found themselves. I, I kind of believe it with the personnel, but again, you have to commit to it and truly go with it. Yeah. So I believe it. But again, I think it's a mistake. They don't go to it more often. But here's when stuff kind of started uh, going awry. Uh, I'll, I'll, actually, there's one other thing. He, he said that the DBs have been in position. They have to actually go ahead and make those plays. Kind of agree with him, but like, whatever. No one really, no one's talking about that. So. And if, yes. I was, if I was a little bit more dedicated or if I had a little bit more uh, savvy, I would drop the clip in here. But basically the gist of it was uh, he was asked about, you know, the atmosphere inside the program and asked about, hey, what's the mentality? And he really started off saying, hey, <laughs> the coaches had their meetings on Sundays and the captains had their meetings on Sunday and said, hey, we need to take uh, ownership. Coaches need to do better. Leaders need to do better. Everyone needs to own their role, uh, role and do better. But where it popped off is towards the end of it. He started talking about having to keep everything positive, and this is where it kind of went off the road. Um, and again, I'm not going to. I'm trying to think of what I want to say. Um, I, I don't. I don't want to crucify Kelce Robinette because. He's a friend of the show, but his tweet, which is getting the most pub um, is kind of what set it off. The tweet was Chris Kleinman just suggested that he could use the media's help in being more positive with the K-State football team. As they try to bounce back from a three game losing streak. Awkward is what he said. And that's the tweet. I read it word for word. When you go back and watch the clip, John Kurtz tweeted out, it's on the KSO YouTube page and all this type of stuff. It, didn't go quite like that. Some people might even say it's worse. I don't think so, but really Chris comments said, Hey, look, we all need to be more positive. And I, you know, it starts with everyone in this room. I'm looking at you. Like, and he says, I need some help. You know, they can't handle negative feedback as much uh, 18 to 22 year olds don't handle negative feedback as well when it's being thrown at them consistently, all this type of stuff. Here's where I think Chris Kleiman went wrong because I think it was, the first major PR mistake he's ever made at K-State. I think some folks have projected on him. I think he made a PR mistake by saying, hey, everyone here in this room, almost referencing the media, whether or not he meant it to be like that or not, that was a massive mistake. If he would have said, hey, look, we need the fans to stay positive because he referenced that, hey, how tough that start to Big 12 play was, which it was. It was the three best statistic teams in the conference. Advanced stats, back it up. I, I get all that. But if he would have said, hey, you know, we need the fans to try to be more positive and kind of put it back towards the fans instead of the media, he still would have gotten flack. He 100% still would have gotten flack, but it wouldn't have turned into this meme where all these journalists are tripping over themselves to try to dunk on. And again, I was watching it. My first interaction was, oh, no, this is not going to go good. And then when that tweet came out and seeing everything, I, I tweeted out, this is Chris Kleiman's first massive PR mistake as coach of the Wildcats. So, Again, it's not nearly as bad as what everyone is trying to make it out to be. And journalists, because they have a way bigger ego than they do, or th- that they need to, they're going to go even further in on it because they're like, oh, it's not our job. You know, it's your job to win games, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I've already seen it from all sorts of blue checks who have never even watched a K-State football game. Um that's being yeah. blown out. And, again, this is going to be something that will follow Chris and probably rest of his tenure at K-State, that quote, uh, whether taken in context or out of context.
1: Yeah, I think – I mean, Kellis's tweet was not – you have to watch the clip. That's really the only way to do it justice. I don't think Kellis' tweet is very well reflective of the reality. And um, I don't know. I don't love it. I don't love it. I don't love his tweet. That little extra awkward jab is kind of annoying, but I agree. It's not the greatest optics, but I'm going to try my best to play devil's advocate and um, at least try to see the other side of this um, and try to be as objective as possible, but let's get something straight. You know, first of all, before we burn, <laughs> before we burn Chris Klein at the stake for, you know, simply looking after his kids. I mean, these are, in fact, kids we are talking about, which I do think often gets lost in the process of supporting and covering college athletics. Some but time
2: out. I I have the clip. I don't. I have no idea how good this is going to come through if I just. Do I just play. This.
1: Up, it'll sound. I'll hear what it sounds like. Yeah. All right. Hold on. I'm sure it'll be fine. And sometimes
3: we all have a tendency to take it from the negative standpoint. I'm telling you guys, 18 to 22-year-olds can't handle the negative side of things. And we have to, I'm asking you guys, I'm asking for your help. We need to be more positive. I know we can play better. You know we can play better. But we've got to give these kids more positive things because we got a great locker room in there. Kids do care about each other. Kids that love each other. Coaches that believe in these kids. And we can't give up on them.
1: It's
2: How'd that sound?
1: It sounded a fine. I think that that'll, that'll play through. We got to get a, we should get a soundboard, man. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hear that. And then, and get, you know, Chris Kleiman suggested he could use the media's help, like jumping to that and saying awkward is like, so clickbaity and just hacky as hell. And it's, I find it to be very annoying, but let's get back to the point. You know, Kleiman is coming off a season characterized by uncertainty, isolation trauma, anxiety, driven by, you know, the pandemic, nationwide social justice protests spawned by like a police officer violence being broadcasted across the globe, a a very divisive and, you know, vitriol-filled political landscape, everything that could have possibly happened last year, you name it, it basically happened. All the while these things are happening, you know, Kleinman and the coaching coaching staff were essentially barred from any meaningful face face time with their team, due to COVID protocols. So I think, you know, Kleiman and his coaching staff have probably seen firsthand the mental health consequences of of a negative, you know, quote unquote, negative toxic environment within his program. He knows how easily it can spiral, how easily it can snowball. I don't condemn, you know, Chris Kleiman one bit for encouraging more positivity surrounding his players. I think, I think it's a moment he's going to regret because, I think his actual intended message gets a little bit lost in translation and translation. But, and secondly, I think, you know, it's, it is not the media's job to be positive propagandists for the program. I think this is just a re- reflective of Kleiman's nature, kind of as a caregiving type of guy, a man, a caregiving, you know, just man showing itself a bit. I don't think it's a glaring flaw against Kleiman as a man or as a, even as a coach, but it does raise, Slight concern for me, you know, that the possible current state of the program behind the scenes is a little bit more tumultuous than we previously thought it opens them up more to direct criticism simply because, you know, we are on a long conference losing streak and saying this makes it seem like, you know, he's in over his head or he can't handle the pressure. It was asked before we hired him. We talked about it before. How does he handle losing? I think this year, this week, I think this week more than ever, we will find out how we handle losing. Um, we said it was critical to beat Iowa state for the season. Um, but that was really the, the ceiling of the season. That was for a magical season um, where we wanted to end up challenging, you know, for a title beating tech is now actually critical for the life of the season. Uh, this is where we evaluate whether climbing can handle losing and can handle the pressure and the, the adversity at this level. If we lose to tech, the wheels, the wheels are coming off, Scott, like Tottenham Hotspur in a late April title race. It's, it's going to be ugly, um, I think. I think also literally the only thing – literally the only thing this man needs right now is one to two wins to stop the bleeding. Because let's be honest, if he said this today and we were five and one or even four and two, even if we were four and two, people would probably be applauding him, you know? Like, I don't I don't know
2: if people would be applauding him because I, as I said in the review show, um, fans – K-State fans are not unique. They're not special. And we all are almost like 95% of us root for our predictions and they always revert back to that. I think you and I actually are two folks who um, don't do that. I think, and that doesn't make us any more special. I think it just means we have a podcast and things go better when we're winning and successful. Like if, if we didn't have this podcast, I can't promise that I would have done a complete one eighty on Bruce and, I wouldn't have done a complete 180 on Chris Kleiman. But at the end of the day, like there are a lot of folks who didn't like Gene Taylor becoming AD and a lot of folks who did not like Chris Kleiman being hired. So here they are, uh, you know, finally blood in the water. And this was just even more chum. I think that folks would still be
1: freaking out about this if we were even five and one. That might be true. Um, but I personally, you know, I am I able, I will step back the reality is we're three and three. It's not fun. It's not exciting. It's not glamorous, but our opponents that beat us are combined 17 Two of them are in the top 10 one loss to with a backup quarterback on the road in a place. We never fucking win. You know, this isn't Baylor on the road last year yet. We've lost three good teams in a row, three better teams than us. It's very frustrating. It's a gut punch. And that I do, like I said, he's going to, he's going to regret saying that, but I, I don't take it. Nearly as poorly as the timeline, and probably the dumbass boards are saying. Like, no, I just feel and, like it's, and, and again, it's a little think, lost in translation.
2: I think if he if he words that better and makes it so it's like I'm not makes it so he's not asking the media, you know, because again, it's not the media's fault. But the the and again, I, I stand by it. We said it last week on the preview show. I said it on the review show. I'm not. I'm not. What I'm about to say is not me telling fans what to do. I'm, that's not what I'm trying to do. Someone will take it that way. This is not what I'm trying to do, but it's, it's definitely not the media's job to cheerlead or to be positive, yada, 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 but it kind of is the fans. Again, I'm not telling fans they have to pump sunshine and all that type of stuff, but it's like the whole idea of being a fan is you're cheering for your team. You want your team to succeed and all that type of stuff. You should not be doing stuff that is detrimental towards the team being successful there's fucking clowns out there with burner accounts tweeting at recruits while they're on their visit saying oh you can't be coming to k-state as long as climbing's there i mean again that those very well could be KU fans or nebraska fans or someone like masquerading you know it's very easy to do that on twitter on an anonymous account you put a picture up there yada 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 that that's quite easy but again you have that but you have fans who are just going full melt, tweeting at players, saying bad shit about the team. And again, that is their right. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. But if if he presents as, hey, it's the fans' job to cheer for the team like that, I think that would have played now. No, probably wouldn't have played out better amongst the fans. But at least you wouldn't have a bunch of journalists <laughs> on you. But again, I think that was would be much more reasonable. And I kind of think that's what it was. I don't think he was like truly speaking to. You know, Kellis Robinette wasn't. and the Kansas I mean, City Star, or uh, whoever the beat writer for the Topeka Capital Journal is, I don't think he was looking at them and saying, "Hey, random beat beat writer guy, uh, write something nice about Cooper Beebe instead of yeah. talking about our defense." I, I don't think that's what he's doing. I think he was trying to speak to the fans, and I, it obviously didn't play out well. And it obviously is going to be something that is going to be played in reference every time something bad happens. And I, I'm not going as far as saying I don't, I, that's a sign that the culture isn't as good. I, because here's the thing. He, we saw how he acted in the media when the culture wasn't good. I mean, he was saying, hey, we have to work on stuff inside the locker. He's not afraid to, you know, say that. He, he would never call anyone out individually, but I, I didn't take this. I think he really was basically pleading with the fans to say, hey, just chill a little bit. Look at who we've played. Um, but again, it didn't come I don't off think the culture. Way.
1: I don't think the culture is bad at all, for what it's worth. I think Again, the culture is probably stuff. excellent. Honestly, this seems like it's been said many times. This is like a, an extremely tight knit group, and I've only heard positive things about you know the attitude out of the locker room. I I don't have any real concerns there, but I think we're just we're just seeing a guy who's frustrated who started three and zero and now he's three and three and oh and three in the conference, and the pressure's on. No doubt about it. The pressure's he's feeling the pressure, but. I, I can't listen to that clip and fucking come away from it like yeah he's asking the media to write nice things that that just irks me that irks me yeah but,
2: and again I, I, I think I think uh, I think a lot of folks were, were chasing retweets and likes but again it, it's it's also not there I mean you know he didn't use quote quotations like again yeah. Kelsey's defense he didn't use quotations. he it wasn't like a complete bastardization of it. Um, but I, I do think it was a tweet for that that was he wanted to garner likes and attention and he got him. Uh, but again, you, you listen to the clip. I mean it's, its it's not a great clip. Like I'm not trying All to say right. it's like a great clip. I just don't think it's nearly as bad as that tweet made it out to be. And if Kellis doesn't send that tweet, and again, it's not his job not to. But if that isn't the tweet that goes viral and instead it's just the video clip, it's like, oh climbing uh, interesting quote here i, I yeah. don't think it's going nearly as viral and i think fans are still probably going to melt down but probably not to the extent
1: yeah i agree i don't have anything else to add to that but hey before we get to wildcat roundup let's switch a, a bosco's boy's happy birthday to the greatest coach in our lifetimes in the basketball program mr oh. bruce Weber, the silver fox
2: dude brucey is and i'll tell you this i First off, happy birthday to Bruce! Um, probably my all-time favorite show that we've done. Yeah, I for sure. I'm like weirdly super excited for the basketball team, uh, Me too. Especially coming off two like legitimately re- again. Here, here, we are. <laughs> you know, two historically bad seasons. Yeah. Um, I don't think either one of us would have batted an eyelash if he would have been fired. Um,
1: no, he probably deserved to be fired. Yeah. But I. Mean, I but, but he's
2: not. He's back. I'm all in. Uh, and, and I think we, I think we're back in, we're 100 back in postseason play. I think we're going to be challenging for uh, the NCAA tournament, and we got some fun non-con games too.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. We have a fun schedule, but also we have a lot of really fun players. Um, last year was just a taste. It was just a taste. Um, you know, we have a huge core of young sophomores that really are all very exciting. And last year, think of how think of how big of a jump they've probably made in the offseason. season with last year, you know, it was, it was a COVID basketball season too. And that was marked by many problems as well. And how and much fun
2: were they down the stretch too?
1: They were really fun. They were, it was super positive towards the end. And, you know, they, sh- they showed like they were really starting to kind of click and pick it up the system. And, you know, a Mike McGurl quote, had my mouth watering a little bit late uh, recently. He said, something along the lines of like it's unbelievable how much further we are right now than we were at this point last year and it's like yeah I I think that this team legitimately has some of the ingredients to click and I don't know I think we could be as good as you know middle of the road in the big 12 and that's good enough for obviously a tournament team so
2: definitely and speaking of the basketball team something I'm really excited for and don't get me wrong I love our live shows Still, for the next few weeks, every Wednesday, 7 p.m., Spotify Green Room. Download it on your Apple, iOS, or Android App Store. Um, but here's the thing Spotify Green Room is going to be massive during basketball season. It's going to rock. Instead of doing our Wednesday, 7 p.m. shows, longtime listeners recall the quick take, hot take shows. So sometimes it would be both of us, sometimes it would be just me, but I would do something at halftime and something immediately after the game to get an instant reaction to the midweek basketball games out there in the ether instead of doing scheduled midweek shows. So during basketball season, we're going to start this. I don't know if we're going to do it. it, I think the exhibition game is on a Sunday. uh, But I, eh, I don't know. I should have pulled it up. But for all weeknight basketball games, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday games, we're going to, instead of do a scheduled kind of structured live show like we've been doing for football season, we are going to do just instant reaction. It'll be okay. Hey, give me a quick take or a hot take. So something, Hey, instant reaction, which some of the quick takes last year for me, was just like, Oh, Davion on He's going to be great. Yada, yada, yada. And then like some hot take. I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what distinguishes a quick take from a hot take. I was just making shit up, but we're going to have a <laughs> lot of fun on Spotify green room uh, during basketball season. I'm excited for it. Um, but let's get into, uh, the uh, primers segment of the week uh, so for Wildcat Roundup we have our girl Kel- Kelsey Bigelow back she's doing work for ESPN plus 1350 K State state kstatehd.tv she's giving us our Wildcat Roundup she is not to throw shade at anyone else I love Colin Colin's done great both Collins or uh, er, Colin and Connor both have done great Wildcat Roundups but Kelsey is next level she is legitimate um, I hope she never launches a K-State sports podcast because she would put us out of business. Our Texas Tech primer is from, uh, you know, our guy Spencer Rogers. He is over at the twenty-three personnel. He's our sports drink brethren. Um, I, you know, he he uh, he was tweeting. He was tweeting at us, and he forgot to mention this in his primer. But you know, all the boneheads. All the boneheads were picking uh, Texas Tech to go under four and a half. I'm pretty sure they're already at five. So he was uh, he was a, he got a tweet out there. I wish he would have remembered that for his primer. And then we got from Aggieville Alley Cats, our boy Ace. He's delivering the K-State primer. So after you guys hear the primers, we'll be back to keep talking K-State, Texas Tech.
4: What is up, fellow Wildcat fans? Kelsey Bigelow once again with you, a senior at Kansas State University, but let's be honest, you guys don't care, and I can't say I blame you. You're here for Wildcat Roundup, which is exactly what I'm going to give you. We'll get things started with the Cats soccer team, who coming into this week was playing fantastic. Out of their minds, three big-time matches, huge matches, massive matches, if you will, that win at Kansas in overtime thrilling fashion. Then the draw against number nine, West Virginia. And then a draw against number 23, Baylor. As head coach Mike Dabini put it, and I can't really think of a better way to put it, quote-unquote, resilient effort. That's exactly what it was. It was absolutely insane. That sums it up perfectly. The Cats soccer team, they head into this week. They regroup, recover, travel down to Stillwater, Oklahoma to take on Oklahoma State. Uh, Cowgirls in this one, the 44th minute of the game, they looked like they were about to put away a goal. It was a shot from about 18 yards out, slipped between Weirmeyer's legs. And you guys probably think, oh, well, Weirmeyer goalie between her legs. That means a goal, but she was actually way off of her line. And luckily for K-State, Aaliyah El Nagar came flying in from nowhere, kicked the ball away. Not technically a save, statistically speaking, because El Nagar obviously not a goalie, but mark it up as a save for Aaliyah El Nagar because it was a big time play from her absolutely saved the goal, and then we go into halftime, knotted up, 0-0, nil-nil, if you will. Second half, the half that the Cats have been so dominant at this season, but this time that script kind of gets flipped on its head, and the Cowgirls come out. Oklahoma State went ahead 1-0 in the 75th minute of the game. Allie Jackson, seven yards out. They then went on to add an insurance goal, 83rd minute of the game. Olivia Dow off the crossbar. A little double-doink action, if you will. But it finds the back of the net. A goal, nonetheless, in Oklahoma State adds to their lead. And they go on to win this one. The two goals, though, in the second half. The first allowed in the second half by the Cats in Big 12 play this season. So, as I said, they have been a second-half team. Now, they stayed in Oklahoma as they prepared for their match against the Sooners. The Sooners coming into this one 5-9-1 on the season. And the Cats, on the other hand, looking for their fourth road win of the year. Sooners jumped out to an early first-half lead, 1-0. The Cats answer back early in the second half, though. And when I say early, I mean really, really, really early. Just 33 seconds into the second half, Kaylee Thornhill, who most of you probably know as the girl who made the game-winning goal against Kansas. This time, though, she sends one over the top for her teammate, Kyler Goins. Now, if you guys haven't seen Kyler Goins play, absolutely ridiculous speed. Like, lightning fast, it's crazy to watch her just get down the field because she is incredibly fast. She goes 1v1. With the defender, then goes one v one with the goalkeeper. Gets around both of them, wide open goal, finds the back of the net. Fourth goal of the season for Kyler Goins, third most in the Big 12. Now the match, you look at it, knotted up one to one, but not for too long. The Sooners answered back, 49th minute, a little help of the wind, the wind at the back of Bree Amos, who took a shot, 23 yards out. Once you know it, double doink again off of the side post into the back of the net. Sooners go up 2-1, and that would be the final score. Cats drop to 6-8-2 on the season. Now, K-State travels to Fort Worth, Texas, as well as many K-Staters because Texas is the big go-to place for this week up ahead. But they will travel to Fort Worth, Texas to take on 11th-ranked TCU. That game kicks off 7 o'clock Friday night under the lights. The Cats will then round out their regular season with one final home match under the lights October 28th against the Iowa State Cyclones. Cats, Cyclones, that game can be watched on Big 12 now on ESPN+. And tickets, as always, if you want to watch the soccer team one last time, I highly recommend. They can be found at kstatesports.com tickets. Now, the volleyball team. They are six games into conference play, sitting at two and four in the conference, 11 and six overall. They took on a very, very experienced West Virginia team this past week. Now, match one of the series went in favor of the Cats. Four players reached double digits in this one. Now, I don't know if you guys remember the last time I was on the show, but I told you to remember three names. I sure hope you remember them because those names remain the same. Aliyah Carter, Jaden Nimhard, and Tiana Adams-Continue. They led the way in this one. Carter getting it done again, another double-double, no surprise there, doing Aaliyah Carter things, 18 kills, 16 digs. Jaden Nimhard, who actually had her big breakout game against West Virginia last season, had a little bit of a deja vu type of game, tacked on 14 kills of her own. And, of course, Tiana adams knowing 46 assists, 10 digs. Now, like I said, it was a team effort, though, so... Those three, yes, led the way, but you look at Katie Fernhole, she tacked on 11 kills, 6 blocks. Holly Bonday, 10 kills, 4 blocks. The Cats were firing on absolutely every cylinder in this one, including the defense, too. Four players with double-digit digs in this one. Try to say that five times fast. Double-digit digs. that That's a mouthful. Anyway, doesn't matter. k stayed down early in this one. Six points. They then go on scoring nine of the next 12 points. And if you guys can do math, that means... 12 apiece. One of just eight times this set was tied. Cats squeak out the win. They squeak out the win in the match as well in four sets. They drop set number two, go on to win sets three and four. Moving to series finale play Friday night. The story very, very, very different. Cats seem to be missing on mostly every cylinder. They fell in three sets, recording season lows and total kills and hitting percentage, but... Can't take anything away from West Virginia. Big 12 leader and opponent hitting percentage this season, and they forced 23 errors on the Cats' end of things. Head coach Susie Fritz was obviously not really thrilled about it, but she said it was very uncharacteristic, the offensive approach. But as for defense, she says they should be feeling pretty good about themselves. With that being said, sophomore libero Mackenzie Morris, who... Maybe doesn't get a whole lot of love. She has played every single set in her career as a Wildcat. She recorded 22 digs in this one, which is 10 career matches now. She has had 20 digs or more. So shout out to Mackenzie Morris. But as for the offensive attack, or I guess lack thereof, Leah Carter led the way again. 14 kills, but K-State fell in three sets. The volleyball team now hits the road as they will look to bounce back In Texas against TCU Thursday and Friday. First serve both nights 6-30. Both matches also can be found on Big 12 now on ESPN Plus or the ESPN app. If you're traveling, K-Man's Rob Velker will have the call 93.3 FM or 1350 AM as well as online kstatesports.com slash watch. Cats have a full week up ahead though. Women's tennis in action as well at the ITA Central Regionals in Iowa City. Thursday through Sunday they will be in action If you're itching for baseball, baseball's on slate as well. K-State, right here in MHK, 2.30 Friday is first pitch. Rowing team, if rowing is your thing, they will have their first competition of the season Sunday in Lawrence. And finally, of course, the football team looking to get back in the win column against Texas Tech on Saturday. You can find more on all those games, kstatesports.com. Otherwise, that is your weekly Wildcat Roundup. Once again, I'm Kelsey Bigelow, sideline reporter and production member for K State HDTV, as well as a reporter for news radio KMAN. Happy to be part of the show. Give me a follow on Twitter at KBigelow72. Until next time, I'm Kelsey Bigelow, and of course, Go Cats.
3: Hey Wildcat fans, this is Spencer, host of the 23 Personnel Podcast. For we to all Texas Tech athletics, be sure to check us out. Uh, we will have our Kansas State preview episode drop Wednesday morning. You're going to hear our side of it. Um, but let, let's talk a little bit about how Texas Tech has gotten to this point in the season. So far, they are 5-2. and two. Um, They overcame a 21-7 halftime deficit to, to Houston start off this season, a game that we were all pretty, pretty concerned about. Uh, then, then, tech wins that game 38, 21 after a, a second half shutout of Houston, uh, left that game feeling pretty good. Um, then they went and played Stephen F Austin to FCS school down here in Texas. Uh, didn't feel so great after that one, we hosted Florida international, uh, pretty excited after if we were able to hold their running back um, to just, well, I think something like 80 yards. Uh, and then through those three games, Texas tech was looking pretty good. Uh, defensively, at least uh, on the ground. Um, and then they go and they, they go down to Austin and get blown out by Texas. They lose 70 to 35 uh, and gave up something like 340 yards on the ground. Uh, and at that time we were, we were just hoping that was a, an anomaly so far. We've seen, you know, only 50 yards per game on the ground from the Tech Tech defense uh, that they bounced back from that went on the road and held West Virginia, Letty Brown, Garrett Green to like 100 yards on the ground uh, and then came back home to host TCU where they promptly gave up nine yards per carry 400 yards uh, to TCU winning 52 31. So uh, five and two on the year right now about where we thought the, the, the team would be, uh, it happened a little differently. Obviously a lot of the fans were down after the way that tech lost to both Texas and TCU. Um, the injury news, I I guess we have for you guys would be that, uh, starting quarterback, Tyler Shuck, who transferred in from Oregon, uh, went down in the Texas game with a broken collarbone. Uh, at the time he was going to be listed out six or so weeks, which would put us towards the middle of November. Um, my opinion is, is, is that he's done for the year. Uh, and then we had a safety Marquise waters and a backup running back Jadarius Townsend both listed as out for the rest of the season. Everybody else though, with the way that Matt Wells gives injury updates, his list is day to day. That's including running back Taj Brooks, who started the year as a starting running back as Sir Roderick Thompson was working his way back in left tackle TJ Stormont. Starting center, Dawson Deaton, nose tackle, t- Tony Bradford. Those are all guys that have been listed as day-to-day. Uh, last week, um, you you may have seen it, but Texas Tech won 41-14 to against Kansas up there in Lawrence. Uh, it was 41-0 going into the last minute of the game uh, with essentially the third-string Texas Tech defense in there. They allowed Kansas to, to sustain a drive and a score. Texas Tech recovered the, the kickoff. On their first play in offense, fumbled the ball back away to Kansas, where they were able to go down and score 45 seconds later. So, gave up two touchdowns there late to Kansas uh, to nullify the the shutout. But it was essentially a 41 to zero game. Um, going in, going into it, I didn't I didn't think that Texas deck was going to learn anything about themselves. Uh, as bad as Kansas is, it was basically playing an FCS team. Um, if you beat them the way you did, it was because you were supposed to. If you played close, or lost. It's, it would have been, you know, into the world. But um, going forward from here, it really just depends, you know, the expectations on who you ask. A lot of Tech fans are are ready to see Matt Wells go. Uh, preseason expectations were were six or seven wins, and that most thought that Wells would be extended or retained if Texas Tech won six games. Um, but at this point, I think I think a lot of fans are ready to see him go. There's just been some the way that the team has lost and then uh, going historically um, just some, some questionable decisions from the head coach. Um, and then I guess even more recently, you guys wouldn't know about this, but uh, he has a, a local radio show every week. He was asked about what, what his favorite thing about living in Lubbock is. Um, and, you know, as, as someone who has to sell Texas tech and Lubbock to, to recruits, he hemmed and hawed about it for a few minutes and basically said, well, it's where my family is after I come home from work. So, uh, not, not a really great thing for your head coach to say that, you know, the best thing he likes about living in Lubbock is where that's where his family is. Um, but moving forward, it's difficult to see Texas tech winning more than six games this year. And it really depends on how they do obviously against, uh, the wildcats this weekend. It's the last game that Texas tech is listed as any kind of uh, favorable odds for the rest of the season. Uh, FBI has I think, a 55% chance for tech to win uh, odds makers and points. And, uh, you know, out in Vegas have this a, a pretty close game as well. The rest of the schedule for tech includes road trips to Norman and Waco and then home games against Oklahoma state and Iowa state. Um, so going 0 and five over these last games is certainly a possibility for tech. Uh, that's something I think that a lot of people would be, obviously clear and ready to move on from Matt Wells. If that were to happen Um, heading into this game, obviously, and it has been for basically forever, at least the past 20 years since Mike Leach, the the strength of the offense strength of the team is the offense. Uh, They've been much better on the ground uh, lately, but they've also been uh, been pretty explosive through the air. Tech is so far as uh, eighth in the country in yards per play at seven. Um, the the problem with, with having an explosive offense is that Texas Tech, if they're not if they haven't been explosive, they've shown the inability to sustain drives. Uh, it hasn't been a consistent thing where, you know, they're able to to move the ball down the field consistently. Um, you know, at, at one point in, in the year, it was early on. If they hadn't hit like a 40 plus yard play, they weren't gonna score. Uh the weakness on on this team. Especially after looking at the Texas and TCU games, is obviously going to be stopping the run. Uh, they gave up the 340 yards to Texas and the 400 to to TCU. They they did bounce back against West Virginia and, and held them to 94 yards. Um, they the defensive scheme it's the same as it's been the past three years under Keith Patterson. It's a it's a variation of the three three stack. Uh, the issue with that, though, and, and a lot of Tech fans are, are calling for for the the defensive scheme to be changed. It's not so much that the three that there are three different three defensive linemen, but it's that Keith Patterson will, will keep seven or eight guys back in coverage. Uh, and we saw it against Texas and TCU. Those teams refused to throw the ball and they didn't have to, obviously, when they had the success that they, they found on the ground. But Patterson was was unwilling to to adjust those schemes. Um, we saw we saw some two down linemen uh, defensive alignments against Kansas. Uh, it's definitely not not helping his case. But for for Kansas State, uh, I, I think w- what they have to do is is to look to exploit that. If, if Texas Tech is refusing to to stack the box, um, you know, if they're remaining a five or six man box, that you guys should be able to. To scheme around that to, to move some of the guys, we've got great size at linebacker, but obviously they're going to be undersized going up against offensive linemen. Uh, and his scheme, Keith Patterson's scheme, relies on guys winning one-on-one battles. So if they're not, if, if the Texas Tech defensive front isn't able to to beat their men uh, and, and to slow down the the rushing attack, uh, the defensive backfield isn't great enough to be uh, left on an island and 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 to play. Pass coverage all day. The defensive front has also shown uh, struggles on creating a pass rush, uh, and it may have actually helped you w- win the game against West Virginia. Uh, we, we let uh, Jared Dagey sit back there in the pocket with six seconds left in the game. He, with no pass rush, basically ran around the clock on himself. But uh, also, just we weren't able to generate a pass rush on, on the last play of the game. Um, so, for guys that you, you need to be looking out for, obviously. The backup quarterback Henry Columby, hes played here for for several years now. He's he's no slouch as a backup. Uh, he's come in and shown he's got great patience in the pocket, good feel for the rush, and when to step up and when to take off. Um, when he's throwing the ball, he's looking for Eric Ezukamma. He's obviously the star wide receiver. Uh, An offensive coordinator, Sonny Cumby, has been doing a good job of of getting azukanma involved. Um, he's he's great downfield, but he's also just really really a menace in in the open field. At, as you try to tackle him uh, early on in the season, majority of his yards were coming after catch and after contact because uh, he was just impossible to bring down defensively. Uh, look for linebacker Colin schooler in the middle. He leads the team in tackles. He's only a few tackles shy of leading. Uh, sorry, only a few tackles for loss away from leading all of college football history in that stat and in the backfield. Uh, look for R- Reggie Pearson to be an enforcer. Uh, he arrived in campus as a transfer from Wisconsin, and since then he's just been creating that um, that reputation as, as as the hard hitter back there. Most importantly for this game is the Tech Tech ability to slow down uh, the run uh, and to force Skyler how Skyler Thompson, excuse me, to um, flex his muscles through the air. Uh, obviously, we, we've seen he he be able to do that obviously against Tech. In in last year's game, but also in in some games this year. But I think if if Tech is able to to slow down that run and and lean more and force the the Wildcats more into a shootout, that I think the Texas Tech offense has the advantage. The problem is that Texas Tech has just been abysmal at, at slowing down the run um, against teams with a pulse. Um, so for a score prediction for the game, I I like the under on this game. I think so far where I've seen it right now is at sixty one. Uh, I think the first team to 30 wins this one. And I think, you know, I, I, as a Texas Tech podcast, give me Texas Tech to win this one like 31-27. With the optimism here coming from, I think that they will be able to slow down the run without there actually being any any, any evidence uh, to do so. So with that, if you want to check out the rest of our our Kansas State Wildcats preview. Check us out on the 23 Personnel Podcast. Scott and gang, thanks for having us on.
5: Hello to all the boneheads and Wabash cannonballers out there. I'm Ace Edwards representing the Aggieville Alley Cats, a K-State podcast covering nearly every K-State sport, and I'm proud to be on Bosco's Boys to present to you the K-State Primer for the upcoming matchup between your Kansas State Wildcats and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. But before we get into this matchup, let's take a look back to last week to review the Again game, no matter how painful it might be. In last week's matchup, Kansas State fell to the Iowa State Cyclones 33-20 in a game that was never really close at any point past the first quarter. The Cyclones turned in a great offensive performance against a K-State defense that has been reeling since conference play has started, with Iowa State being led by quarterback Brock Purdy, running back Brees Hall, wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson, and tight end Charlie Kolar. And while K-State had a few decent performances offensively from Skylar Thompson and company, the game was lost due to what could nicely be referred to as lackluster coaching by the Kansas State Wildcats. But the good news for the Cats going into the Texas Tech game is that no additional injuries have been sustained, or at least none that have been made publicly known. K-State is still, however, dealing with key injuries to defensive ends Khalid Duke and Bronson Boom Massey, which has caused a massive dip in defensive line play. But the last time that Kansas State and Texas Tech met up was last year in Manhattan, Kansas, in which Kansas State walked away victorious 31-21 in a game most notable for the injuries sustained by Skyler Thompson on a late and dirty hit by Texas Tech the same injury that kept him from playing the rest of the year and thrust Will Howard into the starting job as a true freshman. For the expectations of this game, if you're not a member of either fan base, it's not looking to be a particularly good game. It's two teams that are struggling to get a consistent foothold after going undefeated in non-conference play, although Texas Tech has been able to get a slightly better foothold than the Wildcats. Within the K-State fan base, however, swellings of discontent are already brewing, so the expectation is that we beat Tech convincingly, given that we've seemingly had their number for a decent amount of years going on now. And these expectations are not necessarily going to be a bad thing to have, because this K-State team does have a number of strengths, but the most important strength will almost certainly be in its offensive and defensive lines, both groups that while having moments of inexplicable bad play, have been solid for most of the year. The line play for Texas Tech hasn't been the best this year, so look for K-State to try and dominate in the trenches. But with every good must come a little bit of bad, and the biggest weakness going into this game is the K-State defense, specifically the linebacker room in coverage in the intermediate part of the field. After allegedly bringing back the mob, they have fallen from grace beginning conference play. Tech will likely look to exploit this using their spread offense to try and dominate the middle of the field through the air, and in the running game use options or misdirections to mess with the run fit of the linebackers on defense. If K-State's going to win this game, they're going to need help from some key players. And to my mind, the players that'll mean the most will be Skyler Thompson, and honestly, whoever's playing the weak side linebacker for the Cats. Schuyler will be looking for revenge against the team that ended his season last year, and the weak side linebacker is the most commonly read defender in the RPO-based attack of Texas Tech. If K-State's hoping to escape Lubbock with a victory, they'll need to make the quarterback handoff in the RPO game and don't allow Tech to get into an offensive rhythm. Because although Texas Tech is known for their high-octane spread air raid offense, this year they've opted for a more efficient approach just trying to get into more manageable third downs and it's something that has been working reasonably well for them. Don't allow them to get into an offensive rhythm and keep them behind the sticks on third down to make them go for those chunk plays and let the K-State defense try to do what they can. The defense of Tech has a number of athletes but K-State can score on them. It'll just be about the defense of K-State not making it a shootout. If I were forced to give a score projection, I would optimistically say that K-State gets coached up and learns from last week's loss, and if that's the case, K-State gets the victory 38-21, to but that's all contingent on K-State turning in a great week of practice and learning from their mistakes against Iowa State, Oklahoma, and, well, just about every game that they've played this year. Once again, thanks to all the Boneheads and Bosco's boys for having me on the show. If you want to listen to more of me or my wonderful co-host Connor, please be sure to listen to Aggieville Alley Cats on nearly every podcasting platform. And follow us on Twitter at AggievilleACats, that's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. And on my personal account, at ACEdwards00. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and as always, go cats!
2: And we are back again. Thank you to all of our friends who knocked out those great primers for us. Kelsey giving us Wildcat Roundup. Our boy Spencer over from the 23 Personal Texas Tech Podcast. And Ace from Aggieville Alley Cat. So let's get into it. Um, Plain and simple, you know, a 10-1 regular season off the table. Second trip to Arlington, it's dead. Um, having crazy bloodthirsty crowds off the table so this team really needs a bounce back but they have to do it for themselves again if if we want if we want to think that the culture is really as good as I think it is what they say it is they need to really bounce back off the mat and and now again it's not it's not any of the players fault but again coach Kleiman's press conference again kind of Adds an extra bit of, I wouldn't say pressure, but like a microscope to this game from the outside. So, again, is the team as close as they are? Uh, can they be as good as we hope they can be? If that's all the case, they should be able to bounce back and get this win. Um, but if they don't, I mean, Grant, I mean, what is Twitter? What are message board? What What is K-State World? What's it going to look like if they can't fall off the win?
1: Apathy. Um, 100% apathy. See, there's I, gonna be a lot, gonna I be... mean, there's going to be a lot of anger as well. There's going to be a lot of vitriol towards gene and coach climb And they're going to want them gone. And that's really not possible. Is it? The buyout is pretty prohibitive at this point, but truly, yes, I agree with you this game. And really, I mean, the next four games really will kind of tell the tale of where we are as a, as a ball program for me, but, uh, especially we're mostly healthy at this point. We've got Skyler back. We've got our offensive weapons. Our offensive line is, for the most part, intact um, since the beginning of the year. We've really only had Duke go down as our, you know, major blow. And that's a major blow, I mean, no doubt about it. Boom
2: was playing 65% Boom of also
1: snaps. not playing last weekend is tough. We'd like, we need to get him back. And, you know, I recognize that, that those two players being out, Um, is really difficult and when you when you can't disrupt the defensive line you can't do a whole lot as a defense so I agree with you but we should be able to we should be able to win these next four games and we should be able to win this weekend with what we have on our roster right now Um, no doubt about it I mean going into the year just losing Duke uh, uh, yeah Duke should not have been as back-breaking as it is and Again, I recognize that he's a very good player and he takes a lot away from our defensive lines functionality. But I don't know, man. This is a, a pretty big game for this entire staff and the players.
2: Yeah, I, I think basically the next four games every single week is like now the new, like most important game in the climate era, yeah. um, which is going to be exhausting. Uh, you know, if, the, if they were somehow to be able to pull off 4-0 um, – finally get some of the fans back on board. Like, they'll be exhausted if they can pull it off. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, again, what's wild about how this season has gone, every single I, – I did not see a single K-State person predict this to be a loss. And now we are one-point underdogs versus Texas Tech. The advanced statistics all have Texas Tech winning, all of them in a close game. Um, So it's like all the advanced analytics folks have Texas tech winning close and toss up the tech winning. Um, How do we get to this point? Like, again, advanced statistics have never looked kindly on the brand of football. K-State played going back to Bill Snyder, going back to Chris Common right now. So I kind of get it, but it's like, man, we opened up as a favorite and it swung in less than a day. And this is now, here's the wild thing because Vegas never posted A SIU line. That was only available offshore. So now this is our sixth game, our sixth game. And we have not been wire to wire favorites for any of them. We've only been favorites at kickoff for one, which was Stanford, after like that swung the week of the game. It's just kind of wild. Again, uh, a how good the Big 12 is, and B, like the fact that we beat Nevada and beat Stanford, like it has to count for something. Again, it won't matter. None of that shit's going to matter if we lose the Texas Tech. Uh, I can't I, – I will not be able to come on on Sunday and be able to spend any sort of positivity from that. But it is wild to kind of look at it. It's like, okay, on paper, we're ahead of where we probably should be. And I think we've played five of our six toughest games on the schedule already.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I, I'm not even going to fucking attempt to try to talk about any sort of advanced statistics. Um That stuff is over me. It's over my head. I don't pay much attention to it, frankly, but I, you know, just from a gut standpoint, I get kind of a Nevada game feel out of this. I think it is going to be close, but I think, you know, throughout the course of the game, our running game, if we're patient enough is probably going to grind them down and we'll be able to create some separation. Now our defense has to play better. Our defense played well against Nevada. um, And that could be the difference. Um, if Tech comes out and they're passing all over us like they have in the past, we're going to be in big trouble on the road. But I really do think that we have a pretty sizable advantage against Tech with our, you know, running attack. And I just haven't seen enough from Tech to really think that they're going to hurt us that badly. And, you know, defensively, they're very suspect. So I don't know. I'm not super worried about this game. I'm worried about the idea of losing it. But – In reality, when I think about it, I just can't – it just seems like the perfect timing for this game. Like, we're going to go to Tech and we match up, I think, well with them. We're going to be able to do what we want offensively, at least against their defense. So, I don't know. But that's not the question mark, is it? The question mark is the defense. And that bleeds into the next question. The defense has their back against the wall. We are trapped in a corner right now. If they don't have, like you say, that fight instinct instead of the flight – Uh, I don't know if we will be able to snap out of this losing streak. It might just continue because the defense hasn't shown me really anything over the last three games outside of that second half against Oklahoma State when, honestly, they kind of called off the dogs. And it didn't really matter. I didn't want to
2: believe that. I didn't want to believe that leaving the stadium. But, like, all the evidence points, like, okay, Gundy probably could have scored 50 if he wanted to. Probably.
1: Um, And – I don't know. I mean, if you look at Iowa state outside of that first, just horrendously blown uh, first play and, you know, I, mean, I don't know. It's just, it seems like we're so, not only is the margin of error still razor thin, but it seems like this team and you've mentioned this before, it's almost the same in game. They're so, dependent on emotion emotional momentum um you know we almost tied that game 10 to 10 that would have had such a big uh, such a different feeling we got down 14 to 10 i mean we fucking should have i mean we should have gone he should have gone for it on fourth down what that's well, something we're going to talk to talk about later but yeah
2: but also it's like no dpi call philip brooks doesn't quite get his hands underneath the pretty screen yeah
1: yeah yeah i mean it, it a lot of stuff yeah. happened that drive like and wow. you know that Really, I mean, that, that is indicative of, you know, I think coaching and leadership failure that not only did, you know, we, start, we got down 10-0 and we battled back, nearly took the lead 14-10, should have minimum tied it, but that was enough to – that was enough. That snowballed from there, and they went down, they scored, and that was that was pretty much fucking it. Um, and that's – it's super frustrating. So, yeah, I agree. Defense has to show something for me.
2: Definitely. Um, you know, Skyler, you know, I, he was not elite. I, I would say he probably wasn't even good. I think he was just average versus Iowa state uh, coming off of one of the best games of his career. Will he be able to bounce back and give us something versus tech? Here's the thing. I, I I. think this is going to be one of the games where we are running the ball a ton. So when, when the pass is called, Skyler needs to make it count. If we're going for the home run, he has to connect. And again, that's a two-way street. The wide receiver has to bring the ball, and when it hits his hands, they need to make the play themselves. But yeah. I, I I think he needs to make the play when called upon. I don't think he's good enough to be running as much as we'd want him to. But, again, w- when he is called upon, he has to connect with the home run swing. And, again, he said in – because he had media availability too. This isn't an overly personal game for him, but I don't buy that. Again, I think Skyler – is a guy who loves to have motivation. I think he will hold on to anything he can uh, to get an edge. And here's the thing. There's, it, there's no doubt about it. It was a dirty, dirty hit, and it cost him his senior season. Now he's back. He he was talking about, oh, revenge tour this, revenge tour that. Well, this is the revenge tour game. I know we beat them, but he he has to want to have a big game. Now, can he harness that emotion for good? Can he keep some composure? We'll see. But when, when his time is called, he needs to capitalize.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's less about Skyler for me than it is the supporting cast. Um, but, you know, he is, he, I, I think he's better when he's emotional um, personally. And I agree. He, he's totally lying. And he's saying that it's not a personal game for him because that is the type of person he is. He's a super emotional guy. He wears his heart pretty much on his sleeve and there's no doubt about it. That he's going to want to get a one up on these guys. So um, I feel still pretty confident in Skyler um, enough for him to be a solid game manager quarterback as basically at this point, his floor. And that should be enough to beat tech on Saturday. We have enough weapons in the running game that, you know, I don't think Skylar has to go off by any means um, to beat these guys. Uh, and I pray to God that we aren't in a position where we need Skyler to go off on Saturday because we will be in big trouble if that's the case for the rest of the season.
2: Well, again, I just I I'm just not to the point where I'm confident enough in the defense for getting enough stops. But I mean, we'll we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be here before you know. And then the final thing I have in here, and then I'll give you the floor if you want to add anything. And this is really kind of truly what I'm watching for, not what it means. It's truly something I'm going to be watching for. Clement did not go for it on fourth down the one time it was a question last week. I mean, will he get back to that? Or was that just like a one game thing? I, I really, cause when he was asked the question about it, he said, you know, yeah. with, with Skylar Thompson inside the 50, uh, you know, in, in fourth and medium to fourth and short, yeah. he trusts Skylar to make the play. He trusts him to do the checks. He trusts him to get those yards. Well, we didn't do it. He decided to go away from what he claimed, which then makes me think, okay, he thought we were going to be in a shootout with Oklahoma. Oklahoma, There was no way to win it, you know, playing, uh, you know, j- just playing it conservatively or whatever, however you want to phrase it. But he wanted to make people believe, no, that wasn't it. Instead, he decided to go by the book. And here, here's the thing, buy the book. That was the correct call. Go for the tie. <laughs> was like what fourth and six no it wasn't a gimme by fourth any means. And three. Oh, it's it three. three okay that makes it worse but again it's not it's still it wasn't fourth and inches it's not I, it, a was, gimme, it yeah. should have been a chip shot field goal in the moment i was like all right go for it but when i saw the kicker going out there i was like all right that's fine get the tie so i i don't want to make this about oh he missed it and i don't even want to make it about okay i'm i'm shook with my confidence in the place yeah. uh but but if you're going to be about that life, be about that life. Make that part of who yeah, you are as
1: a coach. Agree.
2: And, I, and I think more times than not, being aggressive on fourth down is going to work out for you instead of not. Uh, so I, I just hope he gets back to that versus Texas
1: Tech. Yeah, it's just puzzling because he straight up said, we will go for it on fourth down because we trust Skyler in that scenario. So why even say it if it's just a flat out lie? I don't really understand that. And God, it's just, Oh, thinking back on that play, it's just so frustrating because it's one thing to lose momentum, not getting a fourth and three. Um, you know, it's one thing to lose lose momentum that way and be stopped, but to not go for it and then miss a chip shot, well, and you, now you're just fucking. And then again, this is eating this at is, you all night, probably. This as the, a coach, you're second guessing yourselves for the rest of the night.
2: This is like the play progression on the first down. It was the no DPI call, whatever. Moving past it, then you have a false start penalty. Then you have the tunnel screen, which originally on the field was called a catch. Big play, review correctly. He didn't get his hands underneath it. Then after that, you're like, oh, God, third and long. You do a deuce uh, draw play where he almost picks it up. You know, he has one guy juking. It's a touchdown instead of going down, doesn't quite get it. And then you think about it, and then you kick it, and it's a miss. I mean, yeah. God, especially for a team that drives on emotion, that just is a killer. Um, do you have anything to add in here before we get to keys to be?
1: I don't, I don't.
2: All right, Keys to V are sponsored by our friend Symbol. Symbol, again, is the stock market that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time your team wins, you get a cash payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in the value, hashtag to the moon, diamond hands. You can buy low and sell high, and then you profit. If you use promo code SD, To make your first deposit, that is risk-free. That means no matter what happens, if you ask for your money back, Symbol is going to give you that deposit back. Again, it's a lot of fun. You might not think it's for you. Do your deposit. Use promo code SD. Put a hundred bucks in there. Buy a couple shares of Teams. And then just play around because I guarantee you're going to get addicted. And it's a lot of fun. Again, if you're going to be throwing money away on like Dogecoin or trying to do some stupid short sell on Apple stock or some shit like that, Don't do that. Have fun over at Symbol because you actually know about sports. All right, let's get to keys to V. These are our keys, what we think it's going to take to win the game. Grant, what's your first key to V?
1: Joe and Deuce must get loose Nevada style. I think we got to lean on on the run game, make them stop it. If we have to open up the passing game, I think we can with Skyler. Now, at least we have that capability as opposed to, you know, Oklahoma state, Nevada, it's, it's, it's a lot less limited than it was in those two games. But I think this team's got to get back to the basics. Let's run them to death.
2: I love it. I, th- I think you're probably correct. Uh, mine is going to be win the turnover battle. I, we haven't won the turnover ba- battle since Nevada. And during this long Big 12 losing streak, I mean, we've just gotten murdered in the turnover ratio. We're just absolutely murdered. So got to get back to taking the ball away and protecting it. What's your second
1: team, key to be? Is stupid. Let's have some fun again. <laughs> Losing sucks. Let's go be road warriors by having fun. Let's get a Big Twelve win and get. We need some confidence back. That the juice has been completely sucked out of the program after a hot start. Everyone was flying high, and no one's having fun anymore. So let's go have some fun and beat Tech on the road for the ninth out of ten years, I believe. That'd be wild. Only loss to them was in twenty fifteen. Since twenty. Eleven. There you go.
2: Let's keep being their boogeyman. Um, my final one is do something on defense. Outside of that second half for Oklahoma <laughs> State, they've been Swiss cheese in the Big Twelve play. I don't care if it's by hook or by crook, you got to do something to force punts and some turnovers. Give your offense a chance to win. All right, our game predictions are sponsored by Spotify Green. Remember, we're going live every Wednesday, Spotify Green Room, till basketball starts. Then we will be going live immediately after the end of basketball games. Download in the Apple iOS store or Android app store to have fun with us on Spotify green room. All right. Pick them 15 games, all big 12 games, ESPN college game day game and the Fox big noon kickoff game. Um, boneheads had the best week of everyone last week going 10 and five grant. You went nine and six. I went eight and seven grant. You have a three game lead on me and the boneheads. So you will be going right after you say the bonehead pick. So let's just get into it. Big 12 games first, Oklahoma and what is going to be their last trip to Lawrence. They've been beating down KU and Lawrence for over a hundred years. Boneheads (laughs) have Oklahoma only 82%. I assume you have Oklahoma as well.
1: That's gotta be the biggest shock percentage I've ever seen.
2: Well, I think there's a handful of KU fans who follow the show. So I think, KU's percentage actually is usually better than you think.
1: So. <laughs> we got OU, obviously.
2: Okay. This one is—it's it's <sighs> the best Big Twelve game uh, this week. Boneheads big on Oklahoma State, seventy-six percent. Vegas has Iowa State by four. What do you have?
5: Oh, uh,
1: I've got the pokes. This is—I'm the biggest pokes fan in the world on Saturday. I've been yeah. going too hard on Iowa State for them to beat us, and then just start a streak. Well, and they're favorites uh, too.
2: On the uh, and it's at home. I'm gonna I stick know. with Oklahoma State, and again, it's against my better judgment. My official predict prediction is Oklahoma State winning, but Iowa State's gonna win. I kind of I
1: feel the exact same way. It's gonna suck yeah, ass. It's but not good. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, you know, fuck Oklahoma State's what six and zero. They've looked pretty solid, so maybe not. Maybe this, maybe this is Gundy's, Gundy's year. I mean, we'll
2: see. It, it won't fare well for my whole uh, Gundy gets fired at the end of the year. I know. Sure. I
1: mean, I had to – yeah. It, it seems like he's getting fired every year. Well, let's just hope he wins
2: tomorrow and then he can lose the rest of his games. West Virginia at TCU. Boneheads, 59% TCU. What do you got? We got TCU as well. Th- that's a program that is – on the fucking warpath for Gary Patterson. I mean yeah. it, it reminds me of the final years of Bill Snyder. Yeah. So that's... I I get it, you know.
1: Wasn't there think... an article literally saying like something very similar it was to that? a blog? Like, it was a blog. Or whatever, yeah. a blog that mentioned Bill Snyder, like yeah. let's not get Bill Snyder territory. All right. yeah. I would hey guys, I agree. You don't want to get to that territory. It's not fun for anybody. Yeah.
2: All right. Uh this is what kind of tells you how uh shitty ESPN is at picking games. They're going to Los Angeles, imagine how few folks are going to show up like at yeah. 5 a.m. in L.A. for Oregon at UCLA. Boneheads of Oregon, 72%. What do you have?
1: Well, I bet there's there's probably enough, imp, like, implants over there that will fill out the crowd, but none of them will be UCLA fans. Um, I've got Oregon.
2: Yeah, so do I. I got Oregon as well. All right, the Fox big noon kickoff game, Northwestern at Michigan. Boneheads have Michigan 91% a high percent. That's a high percent though. It is high. I'm going Michigan as well. All right. Boneheads Wake Forest at Army. Wake Forest is on the road at Army. Boneheads have Wake Forest 71%. What do you have? Wake. So this is I'm actually going to switch it up. Uh it's still early <laughs> in the season for chasing games. But you know what? Fuck it. Go Army. That's what I got. Uh Wisconsin at Purdue, Boneheads have Wisconsin 56%. What do you have?
1: Mm, I have not seen anything I like about Wisconsin this year. I've got the Boilermakers.
2: I also have Purdue. And what is one of the most wild games, ranked (laughs) Pittsburgh hosting Clemson. They are the Vegas favorites too. Pittsburgh is also the Bonehead favorites by one vote. Pitt 51%. Grant, what do you have?
1: Wow. I didn't realize that. Clemson must be having a very—they're four and two. I got Clemson.
2: Yeah, I have Clemson as well. But again, Pitt. I can't, if I would, I would be putting a lot of money on this if betting was legal in Kansas.
1: Yeah, Pitt still probably my favorite uniforms in college football.
2: Yes, but or God, top five. The the aesthetic looks gross because they're playing in the Steelers Stadium. I like, hate that. Yeah, that's tough. It, it really takes away from those uniforms. It it's just gross. Um, San Diego State at Air Force. Uh, Boneheads have San Diego State 68%. What do you got?
1: I'm with the Boneheads, San Diego State.
2: Yep, I'm rocking with the Aztecs as well. All right, maybe the most gaudy uh, trophy, rivalry trophy. It's the battle for the jeweled Shillelagh. Notre Dame at USC. Boneheads have Notre Dame 80%. What do you got?
1: I've also got Notre Dame.
2: I've Notre Dame as well. Um, it is one; it's a wild trophy. Um, yeah, Vegas and all the advanced statistics have this one as a very close game, which is why it got in here. NC State at Miami. Boneheads have NC State eighty percent, though. What do you have?
1: I've got NC State too. Um, you know, I'm just shooting from the hip on that one.
2: I think so too. But again, this is one of those games where it's like I obviously don't have my own advanced statistics models. Yeah. Because I'm like, how should this be so close? But uh, it is what it is. Memphis traveling to future Big 12 town, Orlando, Florida, to face the UCF Golden Knights. And it's like their space game. Um, So Boneheads have Memphis, 52%. Another close one. What do you have?
1: What's the space game? What does that mean?
2: Like they do like space themed uh, like uniforms. Space game
1: UCF. I'm going to look it up. Um, I've got UCF. And I,
2: UCF as well.
1: Kind of shooting from the hip there, too.
2: This is the biggest blowout of the week. BYU mm-hmm. at Washington State. Uh, Washington State did fire their coach, but 98% of boneheads are going with the Cougars. I think it's only a four-and-a-half really? point game. This is another one I'd put a ton of money on. because I think BYU wins big. I assume you have the Cougars.
1: I've got the Cougars. I'm really mad I didn't pick Baylor last week to beat them because it was – I knew they were going to beat them. I don't know why the fuck I picked BYU, but BYU bounces back this week, big time.
2: Nevada at Fresno State. Boneheads still riding hard with the Wolf Pack. Seventy-seven percent. What do you have?
1: I got the Wolf Pack. They're studs.
2: I'm going with again. I I'm probably chasing games. I'm dude. chasing You're panicking. early. I'm chasing. You're panicking. Early, I, have, I have Fresno State. Again, I'm probably going to regret it, but uh, it is what it is. All right. Now it is time for our K State game. I want to score from, from you, K State at Texas Tech. Before that, Bonehead still riding strong, 82% with the Cats. Uh, so they're still picking us to win. What do you have? Give me a score.
1: I got to be honest. I feel incredibly bad about this game. And
2: like three uh, seconds ago, you're like, oh, I know.
1: Like, Let's be honest. Well, I think we're going to win. Um, but I don't feel good about it. I I just don't feel good about the, like, uh, the consequences of what could happen if we do lose, because the wheels truly will fall off. Um, and I don't want to see that, but I've got the cats. I think we'll win. You know, I think we'll win by 10, similar to like kind of last year's score 27, 17, something like that. Um, so 2717
2: is your official prediction?
1: No, okay. My official prediction is gonna be 31 to 21. 31-21. 20.
2: So I have it 31-34. K-State does win though. I, I think it's going to be squeaky bum time. I I think I think we get a I think we get a field a couple field goals. I think uh Tate and Winkle gets kind of back on his bullshit in a good way and it has a perfect game. With uh, I guess it'd be what, four extra points and two field goals. I think uh, Texas Tech actually scores touchdown late and then has an unsuccessful onside kick for 34-31. So that's where we're at. Uh keep riding with us. We're going live. Uh and again, I I'll I'll talk more about it in the I think probably on the Wednesday live show or the next uh proper show that we do, but I'm going to have to stop saying we're going live every Wednesday because, again, basketball is almost here, and then we're going to have to kind of switch stuff up. So that's all we got, but we will be going live Wednesday night, 7 p.m., Spotify, Green Room. Uh, that's all I got. I'm sure we'll talk Chris Kahn and I'll, We'll talk predictions. Maybe we'll get a basketball prediction question out there as well. Uh, but, yeah, uh, we'll talk to the Boneheads soon. Um do whatever you want. I'm not going to tell you guys to love anyone. I'm not going to tell you to be nice to anyone. I don't care what you do. Just don't. Actually, no. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want.
1: <laughs> okay. Chris needs a win this weekend. Big Chris needs a win. Folks, meet me at the couch.
0: Socialize but I don't think we should Cause spooky scary skeletons shout startling shrilly screams They'll sneak from their sarcophagus and just won't leave. Seems so unsafe. It's semi-serious. Spooky, scary skeletons are silly all the same. The will smile slowly by and drive so you so insane. Sticks and stones will break
5: Podcast Network.